Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. Welcome back, legends. In part one of the Mal Meninga story, we heard about the emotional search for identity, the formative years in the Meninga house and his early footballing. The story continues. From the New South Wales side of the border, it was always referred to as Wally and Mal. Were you two mates or just teammates? Um, we're, we're teammates initially, but we turned into mates. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, you know, there's a real strong rivalry and you asked me, the first question you asked me is who I am, yep. you know, <laughs> who is the real Mel Meninga, but I'm, I am competitive. Um, and Wally, Wally was playing for Valleys and I was playing for South. And they did beat us 26-0 in that grand final and then they did ring us up and um, through the middle of the night and bag us and things like that and chuckle <laughs> and give us, you know. So I don't forget those things. I don't forget those things, you know. Um, but we eventually become become mates. And, um, yeah, I mean, we play for different teams. And in those days, it's it's funny. You know? I mean, you look at the, the modern teams, they'll go shake their hands and they might have a beer with them after. You know, we, we didn't do that nowadays, you know. Yep. We're enemies. We were enemies. We, we played a different footy team. We wanted to beat you, you know. So, and so we didn't really mix but we eventually, you know, went in the BRL because um, it wasn't professional and it wasn't wasn't even semi-professional really. Um, you know, we'd see each other out often at night time, you know, through the weekends and the off-seasons and things like that. And, um, you know, Wally tells the stories, of, you know, him going down to uh, down to the Gold Coast and you know, being part of the surf clubs and a lot of players, a lot of rugby league players had that affinity with the surf clubs and started mixing there. But once you get on the footy field, mate, you're enemies, honestly. And um, it took us a while to, to warm up, but, you know, once we, we eventually become mates, you know, when we went touring and in 82 on the kangaroo tour and things like that, you know, it's hard not to be a mate. Did it feel at the time, because you were still early 20s, that the journey and your journey was a million miles an hour and you could do no wrong? A few months with Souths, into the Queensland side, three years later you're playing and touring with the Kangaroos. That is on a rocket ship to stardom in a very short period of time. Yeah, thanks, Andy. Um, I believed in myself and my ability. Um, and I think, you know, like I said before, the catalyst was 1980 with the origin it, for myself, belief for me, you know. So here's this introvert, introverted young fella, um, policeman, dark of skin, you know, so I got plenty at that time, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, that self-belief and having really good people around me was really important. You know, yep. Wayne was around, then Bob McCarthy. Um, you know, Tony Tony Tester, who was the chairman of South at the time, was an extraordinary person, you know. Okay. So optimistic and so positive. I remember, like in 81, the beginning of 81, the pre-season, we had to do deportment classes you know see so he's he's here he is prepping us for the future you know so we did so you know we're doing you know things like um you know how to set a table properly and hygiene and issues and we did a toastmasters course andy so wow. he made us do the whole team do a toastmasters course um which we had to stand up in front of people and talk and here i am i'm thinking this is my worst nightmare yeah. you know to about to do things. but he made us do this do that and and because of the things that the extraordinary vision that he had um, through all this, it, it, it turned us into better people and more confident people. 
Um, so I owe a whole heap of whole heap of um, you know accolades towards you know Tony Teston and his forward thinking at South at the time. And I had a really good mateship, you know, with from the police force. I had a really really strong group of mates yep. that I hung around with, and and I, I, and I tell this story. Um, my head started getting big, and at that period, you know, it, it was skyrocketing. I got, I started getting a big head, um, and I was, you know, I was starting to feel really confident about myself and and doing the wrong thing, honestly, you know, around drinking too much alcohol and partying and all this sort of stuff. And my mate said to me one day, he said, "Mal, just pull your head in, you know, you're acting like an idiot." Um, and that struck me, and I said, "He's right, eh? He's right." Wow. Um, uh, and that, that was that was when I was 21 years of age. This is 81 as well when I started to get that big head. Now, I come back begin of 81, and I was running with the front row forwards and hardly could keep up there. I put on that much weight on that it's a big off season and things like that. Just you know, just being silly, you know. So, so I learned some really valuable lessons. And you know, Tony Tester, like I said, and with Wayne and and Bob McCarthy, you know, kept us on the on the right path, which was great. And being in the police force, that certainly helps as well. But I think everyone goes through, you know, the, the ups and downs. They, yeah. I think everyone gets a big head, you know, yep. particularly that age. And um, I was just lucky I had the right people around me to put me back in line and, and put me back on course real quick. Four kangaroo tours and the record. The 82 tour was labelled the Invincibles. The 86 tour was labelled the Unbeatables. Wonderful football sides. What are your standout memories from two tours that will never be replicated or duplicated uh, and will remain in the history books as an absolute highlight for as long as the game has played? Yeah, 82 was, um, again, I was very fortunate. I roomed with Steve Rogers. Wow. And, you know, he's the doyen of, of, you know, Australian centres, a world-class centres. He was fantastic. Um, and then in the locking room uh, was Rocket Ready and Max Quillich, who was the captain of the, the team. So, so those three guys, those three guys taught me a lot about touring. You know, so the good, the good the old bad. fashioned, good old fashioned touring, and, yeah. and how to get the balance right. You know, because yeah. uh, you know, here I am, twenty two years of age, you know, mixing with the old fellows. Really, you know, Craig Young was there, Les Boyd. I, I, I was, I was taken under their wing of you know, the old fellows, um, and I was playing obviously the test matches, and you know, we we're, we're winning, you know, games very comfortably yeah. and stuff, but. They taught me how to tour. They taught me the, the time went time when to, to have a good time and time when to be serious, basically. And um, so I was really lucky in '82. Um, then '86, it was different for me, you know, because you know, Don Foyner was the coach and he was the Canberra coach as well, um, was the team I was playing for. But I couldn't make the side, Andy. That's how good it was, you know. So I mean, they had Gene Miles and Brett Kenny because yeah. uh, Sterlow and Wally were the were the halves, um, and you know. I think it was um, Michael, o, Michael O'Connor and I think Dale Shearer were the were the were the wingers, you know. So and and John Rebo. So I mean, yeah, I couldn't make. I was on the bench. I was the myself and Terry Lamb. Terry Lamb played every game on tour. I, know, I think some like nineteen or nineteen odd games on tour. I played about thirteen games, but I couldn't make the game. Couldn't make the run on side. So that was a strong side too. The Unbeatables. Um, again, they took everything before them and. Um, I played a, I played a, you know, a, a supporting role on that on that tour. But I still had a great time, and um, my roomie was Brett Kenny at the time. So you know, um, so I showed him the ropes. I showed him how to party and have a good time and get a balance and 
And uh, but he took my spot in the team. So we used to have many fights. We used to have many fights in the bedroom yeah, all the time. But uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, kangaroo tours a lot of fun. And and out of those kangaroo tours, you do make you know mates for life. Honestly, yeah. you know, you wait 10, 10 weeks of of. Uh, uh, together in a, in a hotel room with Dragon R and Leeds in single beds, mm. you know, in twin rooms, single beds. Um, you do get on really well. If you don't get on, well, you might struggle over there. But you know, the, obviously the the um, the confidence and the, the camaraderie that comes out of those tours is excellent. And, you know, you see them often. You don't see them that often, but, you know, you get reunions and kangaroo reunions in particular and um, just re- reignite, you know, old memories and, and mateship and have a few beers and enjoy yourself. You coach the national side now and you try to keep the boys sensible off the field. Would have you had much luck trying to keep those touring parties sensible off the field? That's a coach's nightmare. <laughs> so you're going back to the 82, 86 yeah. times, right? Well, there's no mobile phones, Andy, yeah. honestly. I mean, you know, there's, today is is your different you know, living conditions and, you know, and if you go on the Australian side at the moment, you know, you, you, you can't, you can't, um, you can't do the things we did when we were no. when we were younger. You know, so and mainly because of the mobile phones, to be honest with you, and social media, and you know the way the papers come at you these days. To be honest with you, you know they're always looking for content, and yep. if it's not sensational, well then you know you'll, you, know, you won't get in the papers. Any elite athlete will tell you it takes more than just being physically fit to be at your best. And our friends at Galaxy Finance can have you at the top of your financial game. From home loans to investments and self-managed super funds, they provide complete solutions. Call Galaxy Finance on 1300 917740 and mention you heard it on Andy Raymond Unfiltered to get an obligation-free chat to see how Galaxy Finance can assist you. The 1990 tour was your third and first as captain. From our side of the fence, we make a lot of who is named as a captain of a representative side. What did and what does captaincy mean to you? Well, uh, it's it's a leadership role um, and a mentoring role, in my opinion. I mean, I, I went to um, a kangaroo reunion in 2014, Andy, and of the '94 side. So, yep. you know, uh, it was a 20 years, 20 year reunion. You know, so or 30 year reunion. I can't 20 year reunion. So, uh, I looked around the room, and you know, there's Bob Fulton. I'm mixing with Bob Fulton and Jeff Carr and those sort of guys. And I look around the room and. Just, just, just dawned on me, like in 1994, right? How old I was, or how much <laughs> more older I was than the players around me. You know, um, you know, it's Blocker and you know, Ciro and all those good guys in, in '90. But here I am, you know, in '94, I'm 10 years old, and Laurie and and Ricky and Brad Fittler and you know, Steve Menzies, Wendell, all those sort of guys. Et, you know, some. I'm the old fellow that. So, from a leadership point of view, on those on those sort of tours. I did take on that sort of mentor role uh, around him and showed him and sort of, you know, showed him how to tour, really, I, I guess. Um, and, you know, things I learned, you know, with Steve Rogers back in 82 when I was teaching the 90, the 94 guys, you know, around, around it all. And But then it comes back to, you know, doing the right thing yourself. And, you know, I've always been, I think, a person that's led by example. Um, 
uh, and doing the, all the right things uh, to make sure that, you know, if I was going to say anything to anyone uh, player-wise, that I was doing that thing as well. So, you know, I wasn't setting any, any I was setting the right standards, you know, for the, for the team. And uh, if my expectation is if, you know, if that's the standard, well, then you've got to live by those standards. And, um, that's the way I think I, I led footy teams is that I led by example yep. I showed them the way um, and but I had faith in them though too I believed in them I had trust in them um, yeah and we had a lot of fun as well the fun was based off success but it almost wasn't successful game two was locked at 10 all with 10 minutes remaining then this almost no time left in the match Stewart here it comes now to Linda we're well into injury time 40 seconds, in fact, as it comes away to Stewart again. Stewart throws the dummy. Now Ricky Stewart's on his own. He's up to the halfway. He's waiting for Eddie Housen. He's got support. Eddie Housen's with him. They can go to the league. Oh, what a try. What a try. What a right from Stewart. And what a try. Is that the best you've been a part of? Has there been a better feeling oh, on the well, field? I've got, I've got some bumps on me, you know, yeah. so goosebumps on me. So, um, yeah, it was in, in hindsight, Andy. At the time, it was relief, you know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we played – so I say well, we played against some really competitive English sides, to be honest with you. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, the Larry Hanleys and the Schofields and those sort of guys, you know, I think um, – they were really, really competitive. You know, we were, I think, complacent in game one at, at Wembley, um, and we just had to. We had to win. You know, we're under pressure. Yeah. You know, we're going to be the first side at, in 28 odd years that wasn't going to bring home the Ashes. You know, to Australia. So there was a heap of pressure on us, and um, I think we handled that pressure really, really well. Um, I think you know one of the tries. I think the first try we scored in that game was probably the best try that yeah. I think a roof size ever scored. Yeah, that's yeah. So we're on, we're on our day. But you know, England kept on, Great Britain kept on hanging in there all the time, and and we were very for, we were we were fortunate because it was ten all with that. You said forty seconds to go in the call. Um, we we're lucky that um, the goal kick was missed. To be honest yes. with you, from Great Britain as well. So it was just one of relief. Um, and then we went into into game three at Ellen Road. Yep. Uh, up, you know, one all, and we won that game. 14 mil, Andy. So in my my mind, as captain of the, the 1990 side, uh, that was our best victory uh, because of the back of back of obviously, you know, just sneaking home in game two. We were the first team uh, in game three, first team to hold Great Britain to zero in any Test match in its history. So you know, 14 mil against a really competitive Great Britain side, I think, was one of our greater achievements on that tour. Have you ever apologised to poor fucking ET who was <laughs> running next to Ricky Stewart for the best part of 60 metres yeah. and, and thought his time had come and all of a sudden you appeared? Well, I think I think I might have surprised a lot of people actually being that quick, yes. Andy. You know I mean? so, no, I never apologised to him. You know, he came and hugged me straight after him. So he, uh, was, he was in front of us, actually. So, I mean, it's funny, eh, because that particular try, you know, I've bumped... Um, Center, I can't remember the centre's name now, but bumped him with my shoulder, which you're allowed to do if you're going for the football. Yeah. You know, you had to actually shoulder charge each other. So um, that created a lot of controversy, and still does, I guess, to this day. Um, yeah, but you know, it was a great, 
it was great with redemption for Ricky, you know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he threw the intercept pass that, you know, got us to 10 all, I guess, and he was down the dumps. And But, you know, he showed great courage and resilience to get back up. You know, we talked to him about it. You know, you know Gary Belcher had a great, great yarn to him behind the in, in, in goal area. And it was him that actually set up the victory, you know. So, and yeah, Ricky wasn't renowned for his running game. He was renowned, obviously, for his kick game and his organisational game and his, and his passing game. Um, but, you know, he, he took it upon himself um, uh, to, you know, to win the footy game. And, you know, great, great kudos to him. You know, we just supported that. Um, so, yeah, to, to come back for where Ricky was, the space in a matter of, honestly, minutes, yeah. you know, so it takes great you know, metal aptitude to do that. And, you know, um, but like I said before, was was one of relief more than anything else. Like everyone was relieved that we it's one all and we can go into game three, you know, uh, without that pressure. And like I said before, 14 nil was, was a really good result against a really good Great Britain side. You obviously and genuinely seem to enjoy the UK after the 82 tour that we spoke about and for the 84-85 season at a time when the Northern and Southern Games weren't run concurrently, you decided to head over. Uh, both St. Yeah, Helens uh, and Wigan wanted to sign you and you ended up with the Saints. I did. Yeah, I um, I do I do love England. I, I love the crowds. I love the atmosphere. I love the singing. I love their... I just love the, you know, their everyday life. I love their suppers. Yeah. I love going to the pub in the afternoon and having a couple of ales. And, yeah. you know, I just love that type of lifestyle, you know, up in northern England, you know, up in Lancashire or Yorkshire. It's, you know, to me, it, it, that sort of suits me. I, I like that type of lifestyle. Um, yeah, and I was lucky enough to you know, sign on with, with the Saints. Um, it was on the back of obviously what happened in the Kangaroo Tour, but I was going through a bit of a, a down period with my footy and yep. I wasn't playing the best footy and I was, lacked a lot of confidence at the time. Um, in 84, so I got you know, I got dropped actually from the Aussie team um, for a test match, and uh, so that, that hit me hard. Um, you know, we managed with South, we managed to make the grand final, but we got thumped yep. you know, by Wynnum you know, you know, by a fair bit. I think it was 42-8 in the grand final. So my, my confidence was really down. I wasn't contributing the way I wanted to contribute. You know, I wasn't playing the way I wanted to play. Um, so there was this was a real opportunity for me to, you know, Pick up my confidence and go over there and start and just enjoy my footy. Yeah. You know, they, you know, as we know, England's they love they love people scoring tries and yep. you know, entertain them. You know, defence wasn't real a real issue over there. You know, so yeah, it was a marvelous time for me. You know, I spent and I got uh, permission um, leave without pay from the police force to go to do that, um, and I did that. So um, I had a great time over there. Well looked after. You know, we, we stayed with a family on a farm, on a dairy farm, at, just outside of St. Helens and Eccleston. And, uh, you know, we'd sleep in the mornings and go downstairs and breakfast was waiting for you on the table and you know, just things like that. <laughs> you know, memories, it's just fantastic. And, you know, it was, um, the people of St. Helens were terrific. Yeah, and it's, you know, one of my, one of my probably only, one of my only regrets in, in life, footy-wise, is that I didn't get the opportunity to go back and play again, Andy, because of, okay. you know, Ensuing broken arms and things like that. I did sign contracts, but I didn't get the opportunity to go back because of injury and stuff. So, yeah, an enduring memory, uh, which I still hold dear, to, dear today. You're listening to Andy Raymond Unfiltered, the Legend series. We have corporate and private sponsorship packages available. 
you set the terms. For further information on how you can become part of the team, go to the website andyraymondunfiltered.com.au and hit the sponsorship tab. What stands out from your time over there? Was it the camaraderie? Was it the change of lifestyle? Was it the premiership final against Rovers? Uh, or does it all become a blur and you, it's just one giant happy memory? Yeah, one giant happy memory. Yeah. Um, I think you know you, you got to be you got to be happy in life. Yeah. You know before you can before you can perform at your optimum on the on a on a playing field on a footy field. My incident, you know, so happy. Happy life, as they say, and a happy wife. Um, you know, not necessarily does, in that order, anyway. <laughs> not necessarily. <laughs> it's probably exactly right. You know, so yeah, I just, I just, I really enjoyed myself. Yeah, and and because you enjoy yourself, because you're treated so well, it's just payback all the time. You know, you you don't want to let people down. You know, it's it's just part of your your nature and your DNA. It's just an innate thing you have in in you. Is that you know. If people look after you, you're going to look after them. As good as that was, the next chapter in your professional life probably tops it. You moved to Canberra at the beginning of a nine-year journey that may have started slowly, but it finished spectacularly. We'll begin in, let's start with 1989, one of the most unforgettable, or depending on who you were cheering, forgettable grand finals of all time, and a grand final that's still ranks up there as one of the all-time yeah. greats. Yeah, just um, a prelude to that, though, Andy. You know, um, it was a change in my life. You know, by going to Saints, I understood I understood what I wanted to do in footy now and I understood that I wanted to make rugby league a bit of a career path and, and prove to the Southerners that, you know, a Queenslander coming down there can actually play footy, you know. So that was – it was a, it was a, a changing – moment in my life because I'd made a decision to, to leave the police force yeah. and to take up a career in footy in, in New South Wales and to prove myself. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a defining moment. And based on the, the, the St. Helens experience of one team town, that's one of the reasons why I went to Canberra. Okay. Now, I didn't want, to, didn't want to go to Sydney, obviously, but um, and had a few offers, but I, didn't, I chose to go to Canberra because obviously the national coach was there and yep. Don Ferner, obviously. But... Um, I just felt that going there would would have more value for me um, after the, the St Helens experience. It's a big life change for a young man, isn't it? Exactly. You know, so I, I chose I chose to go to Bush instead of City. Yeah. Because uh, that's who I am. You know, that's that's part of that's how I grew up. Um, so that's the reason why I ended up in Canberra um, for a life change because I, I and you couldn't go down to the ACT. Uh, and join the police for you keep your police policing going because you know you, from state to state in those days the jurisdiction didn't allow that so they do these days unfortunately but um, yeah you couldn't do that so I started a new career in life which was playing footy and and becoming a, a salesman you know <laughs> for 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 a company at the time you know so but then it led to obviously you know um, Wayne coming down in, in 87 as well. Yep. Um, and then obviously the, the Broncos come in in 88 and Tim Sheens uh, come in, in, 80, in 88 to Canberra. So, um, and then we, when we had, you know, Gary Belcher obviously and Gary Coyne and Steve Walters, uh, Chica Ferguson, all those 
all those gun players we, we gathered in 86, 87. And then all of a sudden we had this talent pool of players, the Ricky Stewart's, Bradley Clyde's, Laurie Daly's, um, Glenn Lazarus, yeah. you know, all these talent, talented players who are now Hall of Famers yeah. um, uh, in that coming through at the same time. So it was a fantastic era for us. So we had the old heads and we had the new ones, you know. So and Tim Sheens was a, a fledgling up-and-coming coach um, and he proved to be the, the right you know, have the right demeanour for us, you know, to, to get us through. He taught us a lot about footy. Um, he had a really good understanding um, around the technical side of things and, yep. and tactical side of things that, you know, helped us grow our knowledge in the game. And then, obviously, it led to 89. And, you know, 89, in my mind, okay, is the most specialist moment in my footy career because... Well, you invest in so much into, into your footy. You get in there, being a Queenslander, going down there to prove yourself. Um, you're going to Canberra. What are you going to Canberra for? You know how silly is that? You know, um, it was just a, it was just a you know tick of a tick for me to prove that I made the right decisions and proved everybody else wrong. Basically, that's my personal thing that I had going. Uh, but the, from the club point of view, um, you know, no team outside of Sydney has ever won the premiership. Yeah, no team outside the top three has ever won the premiership. Um, we had to win nine games to win it in a row. You know, we were languishing, and I think, um, outside the top five. Because well, in those days, uh, we were going really well through the year, but um, we had a few players on a kangaroo trip to New Zealand for three weeks. The Bradley Clyde, Steve Wallace, I mean, Steve wanted me there, Gary Belcher. But, so we had a few players out in the Australian team playing in New Zealand and we had to keep on playing. We didn't didn't win any games through that period, the Canberra side. So when we come back, we had to win every game just to make make the finals. And then, then we had to win every game to win the grand final, basically, you know? So it was extraordinary, an extraordinary time. And then obviously the, the game itself, you know, how extraordinary was that is, you know, 12, two down at half time, 14 all at, at full time, you know, and then going into that, extra time in those days 100 minutes of footy you know and yeah it was um it was something special and, and as they say and they still say it down here andy um you know, canberra grew a soul that particular day yeah. and the celebrations around all that and the memories from that you know was sensational we had there was three hundred thousand people just under three hundred thousand people uh, occup- uh residents in canberra we had a hundred thousand on ticket tape parade you know, through the streets of Canberra, and, and, and you know we've got the key, of the key of the city, and everything was green. You know, um, even the, all the water was green. Everything was green. You know, so it was just a fantastic time for all Canberra. You know, all Canberra it was just great that you know we as players and as a club could bring that to Canberra. So it was something special, mate. I'll use a boxing analogy here. Uh, I've often heard it: that winning the title is hard, defending the title is even harder. Let's fast forward 12 months because you did go back to back in 1990. Was that a harder slog than 89, defending the title? Uh, ironically, no. No, because we're grown as a footy team, you know. So that, again, you know, we talk about origin in 80, about that self-belief and um, you know, personal development as people. Uh, so 89 victory, you know, you can imagine like a better Ricky Stewart and a better Laurie Daly and a... Yeah better Ken Lazarus and a better Steve Walters and, you know, all these, all these Bradley Clyde, you know, he's my favourite player, you know. So, um, 
they were better players in in eighty in nineteen ninety, Andy. And um, I think we're minor premiers. We won nearly everything in ninety. We're we're super confident, um, and you know we played with that that confidence. You know, so we had this belief that we we couldn't lose footy games. I'll just rewind there a little bit. Did I hear Bradley Clyde, my favourite footballer? Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, he is. You know, from oh, you know the amount of work he did. God blind me. You know, um, he. You know, when you talk about players and errors and stuff, you know, I think he changed the way you know, lock forwards played the game. Hundred you know, um, percent. Yeah, on ball all the time. You look at the way uh, Jake Tavoyevich plays today as an example. You know, he's on ball all the time. He's, yep. You know, he's passing game. You know, ability to to run when needed. You know, so going back and tackling like a Johnny Raper. You know, yeah. um, in cover defence, those things. You know, he was incredible, incredible athlete and incredible player. In part three of the Mal Meninga story, we talk about the brutal fallout with Ricky Stewart at the Raiders, the differences between club and origin coaching, and what does being named an immortal really mean? We hope you're enjoying Andy Raymond Unfiltered, the Legends series. Before you go, we'd love a five-star rating and review on the app you're listening on, just to help us spread the word about the podcast. Come back soon. Legends.